You know what the one movie is that actually really brings all of this conversation together? Uh, is it the Independence Day? No, no. What? It brings religion. It brings Jeez. ancient technologies. The aliens did it. It brings your penchant for Bruce Willis craptacular movies together. Do you know what I'm talking about? Fifth Element. Yes. Crossing Phase, the first podcast featuring a Christian and a Muslim talking religion and politics. The co-hosts are me, Matt Hawkins, a once policy director for the Southern Baptist Convention, and my friend John Pinna, former director of government and international relations of the American Islamic Congress. For this episode, it is a continuation of the previous episode, which is no doubt nearby in your podcast feed. It's a headlines part two is our conversation today. We cover a few different topics. The one apology I need to make is the buzzing on my uh, channel where I think I had my mobile phone too close to my microphone cable on my desk. So apologies for that. I hope it's not too obnoxious, uh, but that's where that interference came from. Without any further ado, here's part two of our May Headlines edition. So tell me about tell me about Ezekiel's wheel. Well, first of all, the, the uh, outlet called uh, the Conversation, uh, which has a lot of academics publishing journalistically. And uh, there's a headline you sent me: When religion sided with science, medieval lessons for surviving COVID nineteen. And there is what kind of art is that? It's not a painting. That's Ezekiel's wheel. I know. I know. So that the art is Ezekiel's wheel, but uh, the, what's the style of the art? It's uh, is that like an engraving? Of some sort. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a uh, it's a I think I'm, I'm yeah I think it's a, one of those uh, yeah it's an engraving you know where you put the ink on yeah, and yeah, then yeah, you... yeah, yeah. engraving that's what it is yeah it's it's like it's the like most common one about Ezekiel's wheel yeah which Ezekiel so Ezekiel's wheel is he's sitting there God appears and this is the description right it's like a multi-headed animal with wings and then this wheel within wheels with little eyes on it. And if you watch ancient aliens, they'll tell you that's a, that's a UFO description, which the answer is yes, because it's unidentified. Of course, it's a UFO. But is it an ancient alien thing? Yes, because if God is God, it's going to be it's going to be an alien. It's kind of thing by in definition an alien. Yeah. So <laughs> I don't think any of that stuff is it. But they seem I just love that show because nothing can be made by humans ever in the past. Uh-huh. You know, right. so everything is made by aliens, right, right, right. like the pyramids. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, it's just like they're like, you know, this is the right angle. Nobody right angles don't exist in nature. And I'm like, well, they had the same brains we did. And number one, number two is they had a lot of technology available to them. And number three, where are the aliens now? Well, and they, and they also had a lot of slave labor. Well, they the other kinda, side of it kinda, is kind of cheating on that. I'm a War of the Worlds guy. Why? How come the aliens in War of the Worlds didn't didn't succeed? It's because we have, and in this period of Corona, a competitive edge. I think if there are aliens, and they are out there, and I do believe that there's got to be something out there, yeah. they are so afraid of coming in our atmosphere because of sickness and our immunity diseases that we deal with all the time that they are just done. And that's what that's what did off War of the Worlds. The aliens in War of the Worlds. You know, John, I'm I'm surprised you went with war on the world, uh, war on the worlds here. Uh, given this is because the the what do you know what the one movie is that actually really brings all of this conversation together? Uh, is it the Independence Day? No, no. 
Ouais. It brings religion. It brings uh, ancient technologies. The aliens did it. It brings your penchant for Bruce Willis craptacular movies together. Do you know what I'm talking about? Fifth Element. Yes, Fifth Element. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you have to you have to stop right there. Like, what? It's a, it's a fifth element. It's just first of all, it's a love story. Come on, it's a love it story. Of course it is. And Mila, everyone loves her. Uh-huh. You know, so unpronounceable last name, but the, but Mila, we love Mila. So absolutely. And for the record, podcast listeners, uh, we did not have any of this conversation before we started rolling. So the Bruce <laughs> Willis thing, uh, early in the show and late in the show, I promise that that's off. <laughs> It's off the cuff. Here's the thing. I'll be honest with you. This article came up and I saw Ezekiel's wheel. Okay. Um, and I'm just, I'm fascinated with that encounter. Uh-huh. It's the coolest thing. What did he see? All right. So Ezekiel's and, wheel, Ezekiel 10, nine to 10. Yeah. This uh, is, and we're getting biblical now. This is, this is, you know, shout out to our Christian brothers and sisters out there. Mm. I, and I confess, I'm not not terribly familiar with it with the passage. He's you know he's hanging out. God's giving him you know some instructions, and he does this really. It's just just a great show he puts on. Uh-huh. So, um, do you have the passage up? I, I assume you have this stuff pulling it up. You know, on your wall in your house or something. <laughs> Go to the den. It's it's right next to the desk so... on the wall. So the message translation has a has a heading. Um, the message um, for uh, Bible newbies is a translation that is a um, that's a paraphrase, uh, and so it it describes uh, has a heading. So we believe uh, you know biblical headings are extra biblical. They were added later, so they're not what we call uh, inerrant. Uh, but the description that uh, the message gives is wheels within wheels like a gyroscope. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so the text says, da, 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 finding, finding, finding. Uh, I looked, I saw an immense storm from the north, an immense cloud with lightning flashing from it, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, with fire. Within the fire were what looked like four creatures vibrant with life. Each had the form of a human being, but each had four faces and four wings. Their legs were as sturdy as straight columns. Their feet were hooved like those of a calf and sparkled from the fire like burnished bronze. On all four sides under wings, they had human hands. All four had faces and wings. With the wings touching one another, they turned neither one way nor the other. They went straight forward. Their faces looked like this in front of a human face on the right side, the face of a lion on the left side, the face of an ox, and in the back side, the face of an eagle. So, and it, and it goes on. So it's very apocalyptic. And uh, yeah. we view as uh, prophetic and, and apocalyptic literature. Um, and again, that was the the message translation, which is a paraphrase. Not, it's not a word-for-word word kind of thing. Uh, anyway, there's this pretty spectacular engraving that they use as the artwork for this article. Uh, so what, what struck you about this article? Um, from a Philip Lieberman, associate professor at Vanderbilt University. I, th- I hey, think he's... I think probably he my neighbor. Yeah, yeah. He's, I think, you know, I'm sitting here going, he's a... Vanderbilt, you know, it's your neck of the woods. Right. So my wife could, is an alum. 
Yeah, so I, I, I think it's well, – number one is I think he, I like the way he he just talks about – he unpacks, you know, plagues. He's one of the things – plagues is a fact of life. Divine punishment. He gets into it, you know. Okay. And then he – but I like the, what he does science and religion because one of my uh, passions was talking about Islam and science. And we were able to get uh, the, the, the um, Templeton Foundation to fund – uh, Islam and science uh, exhibit, exhibit that was a traveling uh, exhibit around the country. Uh, you know, was it the the, the, the uh, National Geographic Museum and stuff like that while I was at the American Islamic Congress. And I just, I think he's, he does a really good job about how medieval thinkers and were, were religious and how they looked at things sort of even handedly um, and unpacked things appropriately where they said, and, and what I mean by appropriately, they were using the scientific method to say, okay, well, we can decide whether or not something really is the wrath of God or not. And this, and we should address things appropriately by coming up with treatments, even though I think a lot of it had to do with leeches back then. So, <laughs> so I, and bloodletting. So I'm not really sure. Yeah. I'm not going to weigh into the practice, but in this case, I think that, and he, and he suggests some really in, interesting um, texts and mentions Islam, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, I, I like that. I liked that he did that. Um, you know, I was going to pick out a paragraph that science and religion really jumped out at me. And I thought it might speak to you a little bit because it's all the stuff that we you and I both speak, talk to, you know, about how we back in the day. There was a, lot, a very even though there was warring and conquest and all kinds of other good stuff, which. Uh, there's 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 also a, another side where right. uh, collaborative thinking and faithful side to humanity that that evolved and I'm not gonna say it, it de-evolved but yeah. this whole idea that science is different than religion and they're separate right. uh, uh, and and I, I think he did a good, really good job at, at marrying the two here yeah yeah it gets a little mention of uh, Maimonides the, uh, yeah, the, the Jewish scholar. Yeah, uh, he's, he's and I, I'm looking. So I'm looking. I'm looking at the Islamic name, and I confess, my friend, I'm Ibn Rushd. I'm going to butcher it if I try to pronounce it. So how do you, how do you pronounce it? Ibn Rushd. That's what it Ibn is. Rushed. Yeah, yeah. So and then and then it, you know, like I just think it's my, my I, I yeah. I just think I just think it's great. You know, he gives us a good. It's a really good summary of multi-faith collaboration, multi-faith thinking that was along the same lines uh, and and linking science and religion together. So, you know, I always I'm a I'm a softie for that. Yeah. So, So, yeah. And he uh, he's he's quoting a scholar that um, explains something that's counterintuitive about what we think about. Uh, medieval times is quote illness was conceived as a natural phenomenon and therefore had to be treated with the means provided by nature unquote um, so even a, even a thousand years ago in a, in a place that we we think of as as dark and uh, superstitious uh, you had some pretty thoughtful um, scientifically minded or scientific methodly minded um, uh, religious folks uh, trying to respond to a plague or, or plagues um, that's pretty cool which cuts cuts against well, the, the general uh, wars of religion um, motif that that is uh, common is kind of conventional wisdom, which is beginning to be challenged a little bit. 
Well, and and see when I see the Ezekiel's wheel, and we'll we'll have to uh, we'll have to post some Ezekiel's wheel art, and then and you we both can can talk which one is our famous Ezekiel wheel art. <laughs> I don't know. Is, is that blasphemous? No. Oh. I don't know. I don't know. So. I, I emailed you all this. This is Ezekiel Wheel art, which is really funny. I was, all right, we'll, we'll, post, so, we'll post Ezekiel Wheel art too. Uh, well, we'll do our favorites. We'll do, why don't you pick yours? I'll pick mine. We'll see what's uh, going on. Because there's a lot, Ezekiel Wheel. There, are, there is business. a lot. Oh, my goodness. There's quite a bit. Um, I have to look through them. I, I'm kind of partial to the the black and white engraving that is associated. Well, with. but there's a couple of really good ones that are, you know, I can't remember what the name is of that red art where back in the medieval times they painted with is like a reddish paint um just some okay. pretty cool i don't know what i don't know what it's called um but uh i'll, I'll have to come i'll have to figure it out uh but i i will we'll have to do that and the other problem is is that this makes me think of a movie see this is a movie episode that's what this has turned into there's a there's a movie called <laughs> there's, a, there's a movie called phoenix forgotten okay i've not seen this one. which is a which is about an alien encounter. And um, it's about an alien encounter and Ezekiel's wheel is a theme within the movie. And I'm not going to say whether or not you are going to see Ezekiel's wheel or a depiction of it in the movie, but you are. (laughs) (laughs) Which is pretty cool. So all right, well, we'll I, I just, for it. it's about an alien abduction in uh, that happened maybe 20 years ago, right. and it's an unsolved mystery. Right. Um, but it's a uh, it's like a Blair Witch with aliens. Yeah, it's like you know home video type of situation. Sure, sure. So this is, a, this, <laughs> so, is the, this is in the craptacular category, right? Not the Oscar category. It's ninety percent of my movies are craptacular. I'm not. I mean, I'm a Lawrence. My you know Lawrence Arabia, top three. Um, Reds, which is the story of Jack Reed, um, Warren Beatty, top three, and then uh, what's the other one? The other one is uh, Doctor Zhivago. Oh, uh-huh. all right. Doctor Zhivago. Those are my top three movies. But those are like epic movies. And, we should do. We should do yeah. a crossing phase version of Mystery Science Theater three thousand. Oh. You have, all my friends won't watch movies with me because of my comments. They won't. They won't watch movies. I watch stuff that I've already seen with you. Because I'll be like, "What are you doing? So what's happening here?" You know, I was like, "You know, not to do this." You know, um, and then I'm famous for walking out of movies in theaters, oh, yeah. getting to a point and just being like, "Okay, You're I done. can't. I'm You're done," done. and just walking out and making a scene. It's very clear that the butler did it. That type of thing. And even if I'm completely wrong, I just, I can't, I just, so, uh, so, uh, yeah, no, I think it's, uh, my new phrase, my phrase of the week is, uh, threatening that I'll go back to Russia because of 90 day fiance. There's a, a couple of a guy who married some girl from Russia, uh, Afina, Afista, I can't remember this guy, Jorge and Afisa, George. And uh, in California, and she keeps anytime he doesn't won't buy her something, she just says, "I'll, I'll just go, I'll go back to Russia. I'll go back to Russia." And okay. so I've been saying that to everybody. So, so know, fill that's... me in. You sent me this link, but I'm not familiar with it. This is in the the uh, reality TV category. 
TLC right, has, it, a, has a show called 90 Day Fiance. And beyond that, right. I, I'm not I'm not as familiar. So, Well, I got sucked into it because yeah. um, I'm at home. And, and so, admittedly, I don't know. Uh, one of the 90 Day Fiancés converted to Islam okay. and met, met, married a Syrian dentist. So that's what the article is about. And she is defending her conversion. Sure. So uh, I, I thought it was an interesting article from that perspective. But there, uh, there's two other Muslim, what what burned me up a little bit, there was two other Muslim couples. There was this two, yeah. a guy from Algeria and a guy from Morocco. And the guy from, the guy from Algeria was just, he was like so angry that his girlfriend was wearing a cross. And I was like, I was like, get over it. Like they're Abrahamic. What's his problem? Yeah. You know, what's, what's his problem? And so he, he just basically was shutting off on the phone with her. And I think that it's one of these, when I says, it's like, look, they're Abrahamic. What's wrong with the cross? What, what do you have against the cross? There's nothing in Islam that says that you're against the cross. So well, that's one. We, we've talked one. about it before though. There's a disagreement on what happened at the cross, right? Yeah, but you want to. But that's that's the point. If you want to, if you want to espouse that something, ex, you know, extraordinary happened with the cross, that's in in Islam. It's your business. Being against that is not has nothing to do with Islam. So it's 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 an interesting. It was an interesting talking point because I saw that and I go, well, what's his problem? Yeah. It, you know, and the other thing is, is, if you don't want to marry a Christian, that's a personal choice. Yeah. Don't blame your religion. You know, that's a personal choice. Yeah. Take, and, or leave it, take or leave it, but no, no reason to get angry about it, right? Yeah, yeah. And and then the guy from Morocco was, the girl came to visit. And um, the young lady came to visit, and he's explaining Islam to her and his culture, which, you know, it's a cultural conversation. Of course, his culture is going to be very important to him. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. But then he, she, she says, well, I want to go to the mosque with you. And he goes, no, women aren't allowed to the mosque. That's my religion. Women can pray from home. And that's my religion. He keeps, and he keeps repeating that. There is no, there, there, women can go to a mosque. Uh -huh. That's a cultural component that's overlaid over Islam. Yeah. And that's where we get our problem. And he's saying, claiming, he's blaming essentially Islam. He's saying, well, no, women can't pray and go to mosque. And it's a call to prayer. And he's like going into the mosque and she goes, well, what, what do I do? And he goes, you stay out here because women aren't allowed. So, and fair to say that in the context of that, that TV show, you were, were you agitated that there didn't seem to be any balance of that? Uh, well, there's not going to be any balance. I mean, they sure. think what, they can think and say what they want to say, oh, sure. but it's also national television, which is going to go all over the place. So, yeah, yeah. you know, they're not, well, they're not going to put a little thing on the bottom of the screen that says, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about, about Islam. <laughs> you, know, like, like, <laughs> you, know, you know, like you're not going to say, well, that's a cultural norm, not a religious norm. You know, well, yeah, I don't but, think that's yeah. going to happen. But, yeah. but this was, that was my reaction to those two components. And it was interesting because the, the young lady that was going to Morocco was from a very Christian family they were doing like the hand holding at the table and 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 they were doing this whole thing before she went and they were worried about her getting abducted and all kinds of other good stuff and i think they did a really good job when he was in country he was kind of expressing the cultural and beauty and be cultural beauty and and environmental beauty of his country i mean morocco is a wonderful place but what, he, what he's espousing about islam instead of just saying look you know in our country they they don't allow women to pray. It's not an Islamic thing. It's a cultural and governmental thing. Yeah. You know, he doesn't know enough to say that, or maybe he does, and maybe he's obscuring it. 
Um, I mean, that was the same thing in, in Turkey. Turkey, up to 10 years ago, women couldn't go pray in mosques. They couldn't salat out. So it's that's it, changed. It's entirely, and it's entirely possible that he truly believes that's what the religion is, right? That's what yeah. Religion, like, yeah. It, it's possible to grow up in that, that kind of environment so much so that one would think that that commitment, that particular uh, limitation, conviction, whatever, rule— uh, really is something from his faith when it's really, uh, if 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 someone were to you know back out, it's more of a cultural thing. Is that right? I mean, it's entirely yeah. possible. Yeah. No, I I think that you know, look, I I grew up a certain way, and then and I there's a lot of stuff that from my from my um, um my my upbringing that I I thought, oh okay, this is real, this is real, this is real, and then you find out it's it's not. <laughs> you know, you're like, oh, I I didn't. Realize that this wasn't part of, you know, being, you know, an Ismaili is, is a very different than being the main, the largest group of Shia, the Twelvers. And then on top of that, it's very different from Sunniism, you know. So, um, you know, it's much more, you know, I always say we're Islam after hours. You know? right. So we're, we're <laughs> esoteric, you know, you know, when the lights go out, that's us. So, um, and, uh, but, uh, but I think that it's, it takes a little bit to kind of, unpack that upbringing a little and, and know what is general Islam. And as somebody who's represented the constituency, both domestically and globally, there was, I, I do appreciate socializing and had the opportunity to socialize just like you did coming to DC with all these different faith groups and the, the strata of different Christian groups that are in DC. I mean, yeah. you socialize with them and you're like, what is this? You know? <laughs> I, I remember the first time I said I, I met a self-identifying Calvinist, right. and I go, what? what? Yeah, I, I go, I thought that guy, you guys are still around. What do you do? What? You know, and you know, it was a young lady who worked on the hill in one of the offices, and was involved in uh, the religion freedom, religious freedom caucus. Yeah. And and I could, I just, I couldn't. I said, really? And she goes, yeah. Go tell them, what, what do you believe again? What's going on? You know, and so. But she was a self-identified Calvinist, and yeah, sure. as someone you know who went to went to school in, on religion, majored in religion, you know, you know, we weren't. I wasn't exposed to anybody uh -huh. who was an actual Calvinist. Right. You know, plus, well, I know, yeah, um, I, I know a lot of Calvinists. I, I share a lot of Calvinist uh, beliefs. But it what, what what struck me is that how remarkable it is to me that someone that a Christian would, uh, within their first conversation with somebody. Uh, introduce them as, themselves as a, as a Calvinist uh, and not a, a Christian or some kind of denominational, uh, other denominational uh, connection. That, that, that's remarkable to me. For, for someone to self-identify as a Calvinist upon first interaction with meeting someone who's not a Christian, that's that's pretty remarkable. Well, well and you know me, the second, the, you know, the only, the only credibility that that happened is, is that I keep re now I make it's like I bring that into the conversation all the time, you know, because I'm like, right, so what's going on with the Calvinists these days? <laughs> what's, what are they doing? You know, um, so and because I understand that's what I thought. I thought Calvinism was sort of this focal point within Protestantism. And then it kind of became diffuse within the multitudes right. of you know, the 50,000 some odd sets within your faith. Right. You know, well, and it, I and thought it's, that's what happened. And it's complex too, because uh, you could be one who agrees a lot with Calvin and yet 
not necessarily not necessarily be caught up in and believe everything that's labeled Calvinism because uh, Calvin, like a lot of uh, prominent uh, thinkers and philosophers and and uh, religious leaders, uh, as as they say, a lot of some Calvinists are more Calvin than Calvin, right? And uh, a lot a lot of the, a lot of what falls under that label uh, is isn't actually. Um, something that Calvin developed, but, uh, someone, something that his followers developed after him. Um, so there's that. Well, we can end, we'll end the episode here with my favorite, my favorite Calvinist conversation to have, uh, the way to end is to talk about (laughs) the reformed roasters, even though they're not a sponsor and they should be a sponsor because they should at least send us a case, uh, each of us, a case of coffee. Um, And a shirt, maybe a mug. It's a shout out because I think it's, this is the funniest take on Calvin that I've ever had. Like, I just love it. So they, there's this guy, it's called Reform Roasters. They make Calvin-based coffee, uh-huh. Calvinist-based coffee. Right. So uh, so it, everything is named so, uh, appropriately right. um, or inappropriately. Right. Uh, and... Uh, and this is their this is their hook, they, they um, and for eighteen dollars a, a pound, I think that <laughs> I don't know if it's worth it, but right, it's it's, it's not a cheap bag of coffee. No, ten dollars a pound, eight ninety nine. You know, maybe you know for for a pound of coffee, but but in any event, you know, total depravity, unconditional election, limited atonement. Uh-huh. I think it's funny, Ir- irresistible break, grace, yeah, yeah. perseverance of the saints, and heresy. heresy. <laughs> Heresy, it looks, like a, it, it, it looks like a new one since the last time we looked here. <laughs> well, does it, how, how about some whole bean heresy? It sounds like a, it's, it's, it like a, uh, like, you know, a sermon ready to rock. You know? here, here you go. Here's their description. Uh, we'll leave you with this. Heresy. Uh, let's see. Let's see. A decalvinized brew for those with issues of the heart. <laughs> Deceitfully delicious, this decaffeinated bl- blend holds all the flavor of truth with none of the power. <laughs> it's a perfect I love medium. It. What is it? Medium plus roast. So ear ticklingly good, you can drink it down. Uh, drink down inequity like water. That's pretty funny. So it's a slam against the those of us who do drink decaf, but that's pretty funny. Yeah, I mean, look, it doesn't get any it's better clever. than this. It's pretty clever. They ought to sponsor us. I'm telling you. I, I, I mean, can you can you reach out and do 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 the Christian thing, or should <laughs> I reach thing. out and do the Muslim thing? <laughs> That's a good question. I mean, you, you know, I, basically, I'm saying, can you guilt them into it? Right. You right, know, right. That's, that's. But I, you know, I, we can call them and we should hashtag it and and get them, you know, get get them listening to the podcast. All right, my friend. I appreciate taking the time today. You have a good week. We'll wrap it up. Too as well. This has been Crossing Phase with Matt Hawkins and John Penna, a podcast of Roll Top Productions. If you like what you hear and would like to help defray the cost of the show, consider sponsoring us on Patreon by visiting crossingphase.com. Crossing Phase is available on all your favorite podcast outlets, including iTunes, Google Podcast, Overcast, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and TuneIn. We'd appreciate your review of our program, especially in the iTunes store. Let us know what you think of the show via Twitter at MT Hawk, at JT Pinna, or at Crossing Phase. 
Music for this episode is courtesy Vajra, whose music is available at thevajratemple.com, Spotify, iTunes, and Amazon. Show notes for this episode and more are available at crossingfaith.com.